to kind of give you an idea of where we're headed because today uh, we're going to talk about some, kind of, some interesting things. We happen to be reading through the book of Acts and pausing on his whole adventures and his journeys and a bunch of places, starting a bunch of churches. And so today he runs into uh, kind of an interesting situation. And so the video clip will kind of give you an idea of where we're headed and kind of what we're going to talk about. So we could start that one up. Do you believe in the devil? No. No, I don't believe in the devil. I just not really bought into all that, I guess. I'm not sure if there's an actual, like, Satan or hell. I'd rather not believe in the devil. I'd prefer God. No, I don't think I believe in the devil. Can you tell me why not? Um, there's really nothing written or documented about it. How do you know he exists if there's nothing you even believe in God? Because... You know, there's the Bible and all that about it, but there's nothing about the devil. Tell me why not. I don't necessarily believe in God either. I mean, so there's no God, there's no devil. Actually, um, I don't really believe in God too, so why believe in the devil if I don't believe in God? Do you believe in the devil? Yes, I believe in the devil. If it's a God, it's got to be the devil. Do you believe in the devil? Yes, I do. Not a physical devil. Do I believe in the devil? I believe in the presence of evil. I'm not sure if that's personified in the devil or not, but I do believe that there is evil present in the world. I guess the angel of Gabriel was supposed to be Satan. Uh, he was turned into Satan. He was banished to hell, and uh, that's probably where evil came from. You know. What, what do you think? What do you think he looks like if he's real? Um, scary looking. <laughs> Red, black. I don't know. Everyone has their image of what the devil looks like, which is you know this a creature with horns and you know everything but I don't think no one knows what that looks like I guess the first thing that comes to mind is you know the big red guy with the pointy pointy tail and the horns and the pitchfork and stuff I don't really think he's got a form just like just darkness what is his purpose? his purpose? no that's a good question that I don't know it's like ding and yang there has to be a balance there so he's there to balance out the good that's out there I don't know I guess I think everything has its opposite and he's just the opposite of godliness and goodness okay, how do you know the devil doesn't exist well I don't really know I mean <laughs> who really knows it's just uh, you gather information around you and make your own decisions I don't know that's exactly I don't know if there is a god I don't know if there you know is a devil I don't know if there's hell you know it could be could not be how do you know there isn't a devil? I don't know that something like that doesn't exist. And while I'm willing to entertain the idea that it does exist, I don't personally believe that it exists. I'm not really a big religious person, so I don't know. I'm sort of like, eh, on the whole God-Devil deal. I'm just, I don't know. I'm not, I don't worry about it. How do you know there isn't a devil? Uh, I don't really, like, know that one doesn't exist, but... To me, there's just been there's been nothing to prove that there was some like outward force that caused people to do something. It was just themselves working for their own personal gain, I guess. So that doesn't concern you at all? Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't wasn't concerned. Just I don't know. I have honestly better things to worry about.
like that clip uh, because what we're going to get into today, what happens is Paul is going to come into contact, he's going to confront some quote-unquote evil spirits, right? And that obviously has to do with the devil. And so it becomes a sticking point if you're not even really quite sold if there really is even a devil. So we at least have to at least be thinking that way. Some of us are already sold, like, yeah, obviously there's a devil, like there's God and there's devil and there's the Bible. Some people don't even really buy into that. And I show that video because I think it's probably a pretty accurate representation of the way a lot of people are really thinking and dealing about really the devil and evil and all that kind of stuff because, you know, like the kid said, who, have, who really knows, you know, for sure. I thought it was funny with the lady, you know, there's nothing really, you know, documented or written, well, you know, about the Bible, you know, but, but that's kind of the general consensus. The Bible isn't really that reliable anyways. It was written so long ago by all these old people. And so now, right now, this book is going to tell you how to live your life today and how to think about certain things and how to feel about certain things. People think that's crazy. They think it's nuts. And so to have this idea of Satan and evil and like these demons and evil spirits, demon possession, occultism, mystics, mediums, all of these things, you know, what is this about? I want to start off with one quote here. That's on the next slide from C.S. Lewis. And I think it's a pretty accurate quote that kind of depicts the video that we just saw. He says, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about devils. So basically, two problems really that I think that we fall into, C.S. Lewis is saying. One is to disbelieve their existence. right? Which you heard a lot of people at, Nah, I just don't believe in that. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in devil. I just don't believe in it. I don't really think about it. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. So people are just like kind of consumed and really interested and kind of drawn to it. And so they kind of dig deeper and they want to put themselves around it. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors. So they themselves, who's that? The devils, Satan, his workforce. They're pleased either way by either of those errors, whether you deny them or you become really involved and interested in them. They're equally pleased by both a hail, and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. So basically, if you claim he doesn't exist, you pursue other things, you pursue your life, you pursue accumulation of wealth, happiness, and making sure you're all set, a materialist. Or they're also happy if you're really, really interested and you want to learn more about them, and you want to read more about them and figure out what it's about and check out their websites and hang around these types of people and do those chants and be around seances and be a part of tarot cards, they're pleased if you want to do that stuff too. Now the issue and the problem comes with this whole Satan and evil and demonic stuff if you actually do believe it and buy into it. And I think most people know this. Then you've got to do something about that. And so as clever as I think Satan is, the devil is, he knows how to attack us. He's seen us for a long time on this planet. He knows how to just get right into us and like really affect us and trip us up and really manipulate things and really lie and accuse us of things. He's pretty good at that. I think one part where he messed up was that he also likes himself a lot and he likes to get involved and I think the presence of himself and the fact that he's actually out there is like the greatest evidence that there's really a God out there. Because once somebody actually 
believes and buys into that there is a devil, devil or has an experience of some kind with like the de demonic, occult, and that whole spiritual realm, there's another side to that. So we're going to look at some of that today. So if you've got your Bibles, Acts 19 is where we're going to be. So we left off last time. Last time we did verses 1 through 7 and we talked about like the Holy Spirit and baptism in the Holy Spirit and all that kind of stuff. Um, we're going to be talking about some different things today. So chapter 19, verse 8, hope you had a chance to turn there. Let's take a look and see what it says. It says, Paul entered the synagogue. Right? This was kind of his normal thing. It's what he normally did. He showed up to a place. He'd go into the synagogue where the Jews were and spoke boldly there for three months. Okay, so he was there for how long? Three months. And he spoke boldly. And what did he do? He argued persuasively. Right? You might want to underline that one in your Bible because that would be significant. So he's there for how many months? Three months. Argues persuasively about the kingdom of God. Verse 9, it says, But some of them became obstinate, stubborn, hardened, headstrong, right? They just didn't really want to hear this stuff. They refused to believe and they publicly maligned the way. Or they spoke evil about it. They were destructive about it. And so it, it just, they were just buttonheads. just wasn't working. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with them and they had discussions daily in the lecture hall of this guy, Tyrannus. This went on for how many years? Two years. So that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. So, so he shows up to the synagogue. He's there for how long? Three months. And he's arguing persuasively. And it says that they became obstinate and they refused to believe. And then they actually like spoke bad about it. So they even probably got a little bit abusive. And it just wasn't working out. And so they were just button heads. It was just clashing. Not working out for them. So, so Paul, he left them. And then he went to this hall of this other guy. And he stayed there for how long? Two years. Right? And it says while he was there for two years, what did they do? They just had discussions daily. And so you see like a contrast in language. You see them discussing daily when he's in this discussion like with Tyrannus in this hall. And then when he's in the synagogue, he's like arguing persuasively. He's really trying hard to make, to make his point. And I'm sure you've been around some of these people in life where they just want to argue about stuff. Like you just want to argue. Argue everything. Why is this the way it is? Why is that person doing what they... And they just argue. And they argue. And they just really care about really proving just to be right. It's very frustrating to be around those people. You know, it's just like, all right, just stop. Enough. I, I, I hear your point. I get it. You're not going to get me to get to your side. Just let it go. And it seems like those people that really try to make those points, they just can't realize when it's time to stop. And it seems like Paul maybe suffered from a little bit of that because when he got to this other place in this hall, he just had daily discussions and was talking with people that were actually interested. It was a lot more successful. In fact, he stayed there for two years. And so just to kind of summarize that little part, basically it seemed like to me, really gets summarized like in one sentence when Paul is there when he's over here in the synagogue and then when he transfers to the hall on the next slide here. Really just seems like he might have been winning the argument but he was really losing the people and the person. Right? He was there for three months arguing persuasively. Their response was, I don't want to hear it. They got hard-headed. They were stubborn. They just 
And he's just hitting a wall, just not going anywhere. And so he was probably trying harder, trying to come up with more facts, trying to be more persuasive, and just really trying to set it in there, but it's just, what's happening? So he moved to the next spot, to a hall, with a different type of crowd, had daily discussions, and that seemed to work a lot more. So, and that's happened before in Acts. We've read it before. And, and it's nice that Paul kind of recognizes this pattern that sometimes that's happened with him. And sometimes that happens with us. Right? Sometimes you just can't... You're trying to like share with somebody and tell them maybe about like the Bible or about Jesus or about spiritual things. They just don't want to hear it. You know? And hopefully you get the signs. Like, they're not looking at you. Or they're constantly saying, like, what? Every time you pause... It's probably not connecting. It's probably not going anywhere. If they never, you know, really ask you about any of it, you're just always offering sort of this side of the conversation and they, maybe they start to avoid you, it's probably not really going that well. You know, but let God kind of direct that and show it how it goes because you don't want to be guilty of winning the argument, having the right cases, knowing the right verses, but then you just lose the person in the process. Because they feel like, you know, you were just trying to preach to them. So, that's what happens there. So, we're still trying to figure out this demon and Satan stuff and what about all this stuff. Right? We didn't touch any of that yet. So, here we go in verse 11. It says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick. And their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Amazing stuff. And maybe even sometimes you've seen that guy late night, or several people late night on TV. He's got the handkerchiefs, he's got the, you know, the water, they have the oil, they have these, all these different things. And I don't know. Paul had handkerchiefs and aprons, and man, they would just bring them to people who just touched them, and then they would be healed. Verse 13. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits, right? So here we go. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits, so they're actually driving them out of people, they're actually in people, tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, so there's guy Sceva, and then he had seven sons. He was a Jewish priest. They were doing this. And one day, the evil spirit talked back to them, said, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? And then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on him, overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. What the heck is going on? Right? This is just weird. So verse 17. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. I'm sure they were. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas, right? A lot of money. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. After all this had happened... Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. And after I've been there also, he said, I must visit Rome also. He sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, to Macedonia while he stayed for a little bit longer. 
So, kind of crazy stuff. So he's in there. Just the main sentence there, God does extraordinary stuff through Paul. And certainly did. I mean, they're there. Even handkerchiefs, aprons that he have. They bring them to people. Illnesses were cured. And then some people who noticed this, some Jews were like, wow, that is some serious power. He doesn't have to be there. You can just take the socks off of this guy and put it on someone and like they would get healed of something. I should try what he's doing, you know, and maybe try and imitate that and see what happens. And they did, and it says they could even drive out some evil spirits, which is pretty interesting and really gives some value to really the power of the name of God as far as what happens. But one time it didn't work so good for them because they said, you know, in the name that Paul preaches, get on out of there. And God looked at him, he's like, I know Jesus is, I know Paul is, but I don't know who you are. And then they just jump on this guy, beat him up. Ugly scene. And so, all of this spread. And people see all of this. And then now, the occultists, the mediums, the psychics, they come together, they bring their scrolls, which is a lot of money. They're bringing their income. And really their way of making money. And they're burning it all. They're getting rid of all of it. Because they realize where the real, true, not counterfeit, right? The mask, right? Not the counterfeit power, not the fake stuff. They're seeing the real stuff. So the question is, what is all this about? About this devil, demonic stuff? What is going on here? What is this about? As far as the Bible is concerned, it's pretty clear that it believes in a devil and believes in a Satan and it's a real live being that's out there. And he has real live workers that are out there. And it's a real life struggle and real life fight. And in the Bible it says we actually wrestle and we fight against that. And all through the Bible, for all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we see this dynamic going on. And you see it begin all the way back even with Moses. And this is an interesting one Interesting tidbit to kind of remember, because we're going to head back to this in a minute. But in Moses, right, you have, remember the Passover, right? Prince of Egypt, the movie came out, right, it was on Disney, and I had a little brother, and I watched that a million times, and uh, there's all kinds of old old movie remakes about it. So, what happens is, the burning bush, Moses is there, God says, hey, go free my people from Pharaoh, get them out of there. Right, it's all paraphrased. My paraphrase. So, Moses heads over there with his brother, stands before Pharaoh. He says, listen, you have to let these people go. He said, God told me that you got to let them go, so they have to go. Pharaoh says, I don't think so. That's my whole workforce. That's my labor force. That's how everything's getting done around here. I'm not just going to let them go. That's crazy. And he says, well, he says, okay, but I'm telling you that God told me to do this. And he's like, well, good for you, but I'm God. And so he says, no, but really I am. So he takes his staff. Moses takes his staff. He sets it there. And he says, it just turns into a snake. That's what the Bible says. Turns right into a snake. Pharaoh's like, okay, but, you know, you're in the big leagues now. And uh, I'm not that impressed. So he calls his mystics, mystics, his mediums, his spiritists. They come in. Oh, that's the uh, snake and the rod trick. Yeah, we got that. So they bring... Their rods, and they turn into snakes. Interesting tidbit is that actually the 
snake that Moses had actually ate theirs, which is kind of interesting. It shows that in the Bible. But they did the same thing. Not that impressive. So then, didn't work. Pharaoh didn't let them go. So then, they come back again. Moses comes back to him again and he says, hey, let them go. You know, I told you before. He's like, I'm not letting them go. And so what does he do? It says the Nile... He turns it actually into blood. And so then the mystics and mediums come out again and they actually turn their own water into blood. And so they're copying everything that God is supposedly doing. And then they, they start the plagues. And he's like, you got to let my people go. Plague of frogs comes up. And they were actually able to reproduce the frogs. And then when it gets to the gnats, which I hate gnats, like why would God even make those? They're so annoying. And I don't know what good they do on this earth. I really don't. But the plague of the gnats is when they stopped and they could not mimic it. And they actually came to Pharaoh and they said, you know what? We can't deal with this. This is actually the finger of God. And we can't compete. So it says. And so it's interesting that these mediums, that these occultists, these spiritists, they could actually mimic and imitate, even though it's counterfeit, they could mimic and imitate what God was doing. And in 2011, it happens very, very often. There are all kinds of talk show and radio show people that want to get the latest mediums, the latest psychics, and kind of get them on the air and talk about them. And these people might even do really good works and bless people and help people. I mean, what if you were to run into somebody, maybe this week or at some point in time, and they came up to you and they're like, listen, I started hanging out kind of with these people, and they do some weird things, but they talk about God, and they talk about Jesus, and believe it or not, I brought my friend there who had whatever disease or disability. They had, you know, a cancer of some type, and I brought them there, and they prayed for them and they got healed. And you know that's some tricky ground right there because what is that all about? I mean they got healed. I mean they're talking, they're saying Jesus language, they're talking about God and they prayed but something just isn't sitting right about that. And so it's difficult because Satan can and will make it seem like it's something from God but it's really not. It says that he masquerades as an angel of light doing the actual deeds of God. But it's totally not of him at all. I have a slide on there. Maybe if it was, it's a picture of a book. It's an interesting book. I read it not too long ago. In this lady's story, by a beautiful side of view, written a little, little while ago, late 70s, and um, her story is she actually hooked up with a group of people. And this group of people they actually did perform miracles. There was, quote unquote, a doctor and like a prophet down in Mexico. And they would actually bring people in that were sick, that were hurting. And it kind of details, you know, what, what they did. And they'd bring them in. They'd do these, quote unquote, surgeries. And they would just be like, they would just be healed. Just crazy stories. And they would say, talk about Jesus, they talk about God. And she thought that it was actually of God, and it's really the right thing, and it was of Christianity. 
Come to find out when she actually came in contact with some Christians, she found out, man, this is not of God at all. Like, this is actually from Satan. And it just blew her mind. She had no idea that, like, this could even happen. And it chronicles her whole story. And that's why the title of the book is interesting, right? The beautiful side of evil. So all these good works and nice things were getting done to people, but, man, that's the side of evil that he's trying to mimic and imitate and counterfeit and make it look like it's God. Because at the end of the day, demonic spirits and Satan, they're always trying to have control of us. They're always trying to instill fear. And they're always trying to bring harm to us. And they try and appeal us with supernatural knowledge or supernatural abilities. And try and catch us in that. So, it's really nothing new throughout the Bible. And if you read through the Gospels, Jesus comes in contact with, like, on a couple occasions, a young, young man who was actually possessed. And his dad is like, man, just set my son free. And it says that my son, you know, he's actually gets seizures, and sometimes he throws himself in the water. Sometimes he throws himself in the fire. Sometimes he's foaming at the mouth. Crazy stuff. And then another similar story, there's another guy um, who kind of was on a mountainside by himself, again, would have be like foaming at the mouth and acting crazy, who was incredibly strong. And when people tried to restrain him, he could just throw them off. And so we have this idea about this de- demonic possession, evil spirits, when it comes into a person's life, it's never a good thing. And it's never like a freeing thing. Something that really makes you feel good. In fact, it traps you. And yeah, it might give you some supernatural abilities, but totally in the wrong way, totally in the wrong context. And it's really meant to harm you and destroy you. And so Paul comes in contact with these people and he says, in Jesus' name. And he prays for these people. And I would just leave them. I just leave them. And so some mediums are used sometimes. We've got to look out for things. We have to look out for things. Sometimes mediums are used. And so we saw here, on the positive end, Paul used handkerchiefs, uh, aprons. We see throughout the Bible. I wrote a few other ones down. Sometimes they used a bronze snake. He lifted them up in the desert and people were healed. They used water. God said, hey, the first one to get in the water will be healed. And so sometimes God uses these different items like he places before us and God uses them to help us out and to supernaturally do something. But there's also mediums that are unhealthy where it's not good and you want to stay away from. Ouija boards, not good. Tarot cards, seances, even the types of yoga where you're sitting there premeditating and evolving in their prayers. You know, these are not good things to have the appearance that, like, it's okay and it's safe. But it's really, you're better off just staying far, far away. And here's why. I think we have a verse from Deuteronomy because it's really, God warned us in the very beginning of the Bible. So listen, this stuff is dangerous and it's not good for you. And just stay away from it. He says, let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire. Right? Because sometimes they would actually you know, be told to do that by their gods. Who practice, practices divination, sorcery, 
interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or is a medium or a spiritist, or consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Because of these, the detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. Be blameless before God. So he just says, man, stay away from that stuff. Just stay away. It's not a good idea to be around it. To make a call to those people to hear what they have to say, just, man, avoid it. And that lady that wrote that book, I mean, she really had kind of a unique story. So she's really on the extreme end of that spectrum. So she's really like, man, just get away from everything, you know. And she, you know, chronicles, at least for her, you know, what she really has to be away from and what she sees really as dangers. But God warned us about this stuff. And he also told us, like we discussed before in the next slide, the things that will happen and are going to happen, right? It says for false messiahs and false prophets are going to appear. They're going to perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And so God warned us about this stuff. He said, hey, listen, people are going to come. They're actually going to heal people, do miracles, and they're going to say it's in my name. But it's not. It's not. The question is, how can we tell? We'll get back to that in a minute. And look at, here's the verse we talked about before, 2 Corinthians. It says, For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. So people that are counterfeit, that look like they're really doing part of God's work because maybe they're doing quote-unquote good things. But we've got to be on the lookout and have some wisdom and discernment and understand what's really going on and what's really at stake. So, every Sunday we always get to this point, right? We get some background, we talk about some things. I think it's obvious now, the devil, the occult, spiritist mediums, these things that are just out there that Satan wants to manipulate us with and really trap us with is extremely dangerous. Not only is it there, but it's dangerous and harmful. And he's looking to snare us. And it says, even the elect, even people that could be Christians, we could get ensnared in this. So on the next slide, all right, we've seen this before. Hopefully we remember what that stands for. All right, so what does this have to do with me? Well, you always got to get to that point, right? So what does this have to do with me? You always want to try and do that. When you're reading through the Bible, you always want to try and put into context what you can and hey, it's 2011, July 10th. What does that have to do with me? Might be different for different people. Some people might have tampered around a little bit, might have tested the waters a little bit. Some people might not have all, at all. But there's some universal things that we can look at from the passage that will help us out. So here's the, here's the first one. This is the part you can't miss. It's on the next slide. Part that you can't miss is that the true and real power came in with Jesus. That's not the counterfeit. That's the real deal. I talked to someone recently and we were discussing this whole spiritual realm and they were, it was a type of person. Uh, different people have different like, sensitivities to this kind of thing. Some people are really sensitive to this. And this type of person was struggling with uh, sensing another being around, 
struggling with how to handle it. They felt a lot of fear. They just felt like this weight come in like the room and just, we were talking about this stuff. And so eventually we got to this point of Jesus because he's the crutch, he's the power. He's the one that can handle all this. And I said, you know, if you don't have Jesus right now as your cornerstone, right now as your rock, you really have no other power, no way to really answer this. What are you going to do? I said, it's like bringing a knife to a gunfight. Like, you're done. It is over. You got nothing. So let's make sure you're you're right and you're straight with Jesus first. Let's make sure the Holy Spirit that we were even talking about last week, let's make sure He's living inside you and make sure you have the tools and make sure you got some bullets and make sure you have something ready to combat with. Because if you don't, you are stuck. You're lost. And so this guy... In our story, Sceva, in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches, or in the name of Jesus who, you know, Jared preaches, or in the name of Jesus who that pastor preaches, or whoever preaches, doesn't work like that. So I hope, I hope that, it's my hope and my prayer that you could put your name right in that blank right there. In the name of Jesus, right, who I preach, who I believe, who is my Savior, who is my rock, who is my cornerstone. Because when these things come up and they come around, fright, fear can just come right away and come at you. And I hope and I pray you can put your name in there. Because if you try and put somebody else's name in there and try and live through their faith, it's not going to work out for you. It's really not. And what happened in the story? Well, I've heard of them. I've heard of Paul. I've heard of Jesus. <laughs> I don't know who you are, and really, i got nothing really to be afraid of. Man, he just comes after them. Now, you might not be beat up, naked, and bleeding. I don't know. Not to say, I guess, that it couldn't happen. But man, make sure you can fill in the blank the right way. That's going to be essential. Next thing that I take away from this, making sure we can put in the right blank, But also, have you been seized to question to think about? Have you been seized with fear, respect, awe of God's power ever? Because that's what happened on this scene. When Jesus came, and you see the power of handkerchiefs and aprons and people getting set free, this like spirit coming out of someone and someone all of a sudden becoming changed. I mean, you could picture somebody, right, if they were like to be here right now to put a mental picture with this. And they were here, and they were just not looking right, you know, and they maybe convulsing at the mouth and something kind of off about them. And then coming up here, and then having them really be set free, and something coming out of them, having the color come back to their face, just seeing clarity when you look eyeball to eyeball at them, and just seeing themselves come back. That's what these guys were witnessing. And so when they saw this, they were filled with a respect and awe. Wow, that, like this is real. Like that, that God I was singing to on Sunday mornings, like this, that all like plays a part in this. Like that Bible with the words, the stuff that's in there, this is actually real stuff. And so it's a worthwhile to question, have you ever been seized with that? And to think about that and pray about it. And if you have, pray and ask for more of it. Because it'll keep you humble and it'll keep things in perspective as far as what's really going on. And it will minimize the things in life that should be minimal. 
You won't major in the minors too much. You'll see things for what they are. And then I got this last part to help you out. Always when you come away from stuff, I want to try and help you out with things from the passage that you can also talk with God about. Because to leave here and to never even really engage God with anything that we've talked about or read about, I think I'm doing you a disservice. So a couple of prayers to help you out with according to this passage. First thing is, God, help to keep me away from fill in the blanks. Like again, I have no idea what your experience is or what has happened. God, help keep me away from, you know, reading the horoscopes, checking out the Ouija boards, uh, websites that are, I just have an unhealthy interest maybe in things. And I just, maybe I shouldn't. So keep me away from that stuff. Keep me away from music and stuff that talks about that. Just, now not just me, but God, my kids, my husband, my friends, co-workers, anybody that you might know, put their names in there. God, help so-and-so to stay away from that stuff. God, help. They seem like they're quote-unquote spiritual and they're really interested in these things. But help them find you. Not the counterfeit, but the real deal stuff. God has placed certain people in and around your lives and the Holy Spirit is within you guys and you can sense what's going on. So that's certainly one prayer to pray from the passage. Another prayer to pray is, Holy Spirit, help me to identify between the real and the counterfeit. Because it says right in the Bible that even the elect, that's us, the chosen people, even the elect sometimes get led astray by it. It's hard to tell sometimes. So give us enough wisdom where we can tell. And absolutely, I hope you pray this one to God at least from this passage. God, bring your power into my life. This power that would actually bring evil spirits out of people that could just rest on handkerchiefs and aprons. Bring it into my life in a supernatural and super powerful way. Bring it into my husband's life. Bring it into my wife's life. Bring it into my kid's life. Whoever it is. In whatever circumstance, however it may happen. And if you pray that prayer, and you take it seriously, just be on the lookout. Alright? Because you have no idea what God might do and how He may do it. So I'll warn you from the outset, unless you really mean it, I probably wouldn't pray it. I probably wouldn't pray it. So it's an interesting passage. We're going to... Um, Jimmy's going to come up and close up in, a, in one more song for us. Um, but the passage about, in the very beginning, you know, winning the argument, losing the person, but really the heart of it around this thing was the power that God has and the power that's really around us. And the word on the street is, as long as it's good, quote unquote, and helping people and making them feel better, it's got to be a good thing. It's got to be a good thing. The truth of that is that that's not necessarily the case. It could be a trap from Satan himself looking to ensnare people and hold them down and lead them into a life that 
is not going to be good for them at all. And so that's really the popular message that is out there. If they even acknowledge that there's even a devil, a devil, Satan, or evil. And I don't even know how people couldn't think there's an evil when you had 9-11 not too long ago. And you have people just, you know, going nuts. So, I hope that's helpful and I hope that during this next song, maybe at least you'll pray some of these prayers and um, you'll ask God just to uh, help you with this realm of the occult mediums in the spiritual world and where God's power fits into it. like a hurricane I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his winds and mercy when all of the sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory and I realize just how Beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me and oh how he loves us so First verse again. And he is jealous for me. He loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his winds and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. And I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. And oh, how he loves us so. Ocean, we're 
in prayer and I also don't want to uh, I don't want to leave uh, before like God was doing miracles and I don't it didn't stop then like he still does miracles today and so I absolutely want to encourage you to you know take whatever you think might be a miracle right to God and really ask him for it really actually ask him with all your heart, with all your mind, you might even want to even fast, even possibly a little bit, but actually take what you think would be a miracle before him, put it at his feet and see what he does, because he's more than capable. He absolutely loves us. And so sometimes he's just looking for us to continually ask, seek, and knock and see what happens. So let's bow our heads in prayer. And God, we do believe. Sometimes we don't. Help us to. Believe that you're the same God, Lord, that can just make handkerchiefs and aprons, Lord, heal people, um, that the faith of a mustard seed could really move a mountain, God. Help us to really trust you with that, Father. And we pray, God, that as Christians, that you would have your power really flow through our lives, God. That you'd steer us away from and keep us free from things that might be harmful to us, Lord that we'd have enough wisdom and insight to realize when something is genuine and when something is counterfeit, God. 
And so, God, we thank you um, for the power that we have within Jesus. And we pray that each day we'd be able to see more of that. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, again, if you want prayer for anything, come on up to the front. And then, you know, there's refreshment stuff in the back.